Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio. Kay King talks to Susie and I about a campaign to help independent midwives who can't get insurance because their work is considered too risky. How much choice do we really have when it comes to delivering our babies? A recent change has meant that independent midwives can't insure their work because birth is considered too risky. So effectively, without insurance, they dare not work. This has led to less choice for expectant parents. Our guest today, Kay King, is here to talk about Childbirth Choices Matter, which seeks to change that. Thank you very much for joining us today, Kay. Thank you so much for having me here. It's wonderful to be here with you. No, it's very good to have you. Now, I believe that you're a doula. How did you get into working with expectant parents? I am a doula, yeah. I began working with expectant parents and families um, actually when I lived in South Africa. Um, I had recently had my own child and I was working in rural communities, actually working in arts and health in a cultural programme over there with my eight-month-old child. And there I befriended a community doula who slowly took me under her wing and I began working there with her and then came back to the UK and continued that work. My work now as a doula is entirely informed by experiences of loss. So I work with families after miscarriage and stillbirth and termination. So I work just with families in that capacity. I do also get the privilege of being at live births after loss-informed circumstances. But yeah, really, it's funny my doula work, it tends to take more of a background now to a lot more of my campaigning and and daytime work. So it's always nice to be reminded that I'm also a doula. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Can you explain, just in case anybody doesn't know what a doula is, who is a doula? Of course. So a doula is normally a woman. Um, Sometimes we're working with men as well, but mainly women. And they support people who are giving birth. So they come alongside families to offer support and guidance with the emotional and the practical and the befriending side of the process of giving birth. So it's a little bit like having a Sherpa, a guide with you throughout your pregnancy journey, Mm -hmm. your labour and birth and your postnatal period. So Unlike a midwife who oversees the physiological process of birth or the medical process of birth, however a family is is choosing to navigate that. A doula is there more as a sort of a lay person, as a friend to just support the woman in ensuring that their birth intentions and wishes are supported all the way through. And it, it provides that continuity that unfortunately we don't see quite so much of within NHS midwifery these days of, yeah. of being able to support women right the way and birthing people all the way through their journeys. Yeah, I can imagine they probably just don't have time. I don't know about you, Susie, but I could have done with a doula (laughs) when I was having my child, that's for sure. Absolutely. How important is it to, to be a doula then? In a utopic world, the midwife would have the capacity to be both doula and midwife. You know, that would be the role very much historically that midwife would have played in a more community-based local setting. But with both the positives and the negatives that come with NHS maternity care, you know, we have a a free health system where we are able to access our midwifery care for free in this country, which is incredible. But unfortunately, the way in which that is structured and the way in which our midwives work within the NHS doesn't really allow for that relationship building sometimes it doesn't even extend to allowing that same midwife to be present for the duration of the same birth 
because of shift patterns and the way that it happens and right. and so the the doula i think is is vitally important because it it means that for the pregnant person they've got a point of contact all the way through someone to throw their questions at someone to chew the bit over how they want to give birth what they need to consider sometimes they also use their their doula in a real advocacy role you know if a, if a woman is requiring any specific circumstance or adaptations to what would be considered standard or normal care then their doula will work with them to find research and evidence that can support them in ensuring that they're getting the respect and the dignity that they need there's a lot of disparities in terms of the outcomes for women and birthing people in the UK right now I'm not sure if that's something either of you are familiar with but we've seen several reports coming out and lots of information publicly around the disparities faced for black and brown and minority ethnic groups in terms of care within the maternity care system in the UK and having a doula allows for us to ensure that you know that the every need is met that the woman or birthing person is matched with someone who they feel is their companion the whole way through. This is a bit like having a a mother or sister on steroids because you've got all of that experience <laughs> that you're bringing. I'm with taking you. that, Linda. That's my new. When someone says to me, "What's a doula in the future?" I'm saying it's a mother or sister on steroids. I'm having it. It's good. Yeah. I'm happy to be a resistance there. <laughs> you have two children yourself. Was your birth experiences were they good experiences? Yes, they were. So I actually had a miscarriage before my firstborn. So there was quite a lot of nervousness, I suppose, in my early pregnancy. And then I discovered something which I now know of my body, which I could have never known then, which is my body likes to incubate babies for 10 months rather than nine. And it <laughs> and it did so with both of, of my children. So navigating that with my firstborn was what propelled me into the birth world because suddenly all of the things that I thought would just be standard, this will happen at this point, this will ha- you know, I've got my due date, I've got all of the information that I need, I'm very empowered, I want a home birth, I, I know what I want for my birth choices and suddenly we're past our due date and then we're a week past and then we're two weeks past and then we're three weeks past and we're into this very unknown territory where we had to navigate a lot of choices and a lot of decisions as as a couple um, at that at that point and really the lack of information that was out there or the lack of sense of community it really led me to having to research the birth world for the first time in my life and yeah, now I know my body just likes to keep them in there. <laughs> and nobody's going to know that by reading a book, really. You know, I mean, I was really into book reading when I was when I was expecting. But actually, the reality at the end of the day, and, and I also went to NCT classes and everything. I did everything right. But the reality was very, very different when it came down to it. And it would have been great to have somebody such as yourself beside me, somebody that could reassure you and just give you really, really good advice. For all we know of birth, and we do know a lot, and, and midwives get excellent education and training in this in this country on, on many levels, but for all we know, it is a very mystical type of magic. And, and, that's, that's so funny yeah. you should say that, you know, because one, one of the questions I've written in front of me was, you must have been present at many births, and does that moment ever lose its magic? That's actually in front of no, me. That, no, it yeah. never loses its magic. And, and obviously that, that's very different for me now, because I'm often supporting women with known stillbirths. So some of the magic has been substantially lost prior to the birth. But does the process and the physiological process of birth ever lose its magic? No. It's incredible what we can do and it's incredible what our bodies do, how we heal, how we respond, how our hormones shift and change. It's All of it is absolute magic. It just made me think when you say about the wonderful magic moment when a child is born, but that fantastic programme, One Born Every Minute, 
I never thought as a mum that I'd want to watch somebody else give birth because I knew exactly what I was going to go through. But it's just a magical programme. Does anybody know that one, the one born every minute? I think I've seen it, yeah. It's a documentary, isn't it? It's absolutely a documentary. It is a documentary, yeah. You're obviously a doula in the making there then if you've been inspired by watching others. Get yourself on a doula training course. (laughs) (laughs) My mother always says it's a miracle, so it is a miracle in my book anyway. But I just loved it, so I, I can imagine just a tiny bit, Kate, or what you go through you know I'm there for the women as well and it is incredible to support those families and through that magical and just incredible life-changing time for them the childbirth choices campaign that you're running childbirth choices yeah. matter is what it's called yeah this situation where insurance companies make it so expensive to insure midwives it's practically impossible by the sound of it I think you cite seven thousand five hundred pounds per birth as being the premium We've got a fantastic NHS service of midwifery leg care and labour wards and you can go and you can have your whole maternity journey supported through our National Health Service and there are phenomenal midwives working within it. But there are also a pool of midwives in the UK who choose to be self-employed, just as in any other profession, any other healthcare profession. So physiotherapy, dentistry, anything that you're looking at, you would have private practices as well. There are midwives who choose to want to work in a self-employed capacity and What that allows for those midwives to do, those midwives that are independent from the NHS, is it allows them to work with a national remit so they can take clients or patients or women or birthing people from across the country. They can be specialists in certain fields. So just like as a doula, I specialise in working in loss-informed. You might have a self-employed midwife who has a very niche specialist area. She might have supported a lot of plus-size pregnancies or a lot of vaginal births at home after a cesarean section. Rather than like an NHS midwife who would work within one trust, they would work nationally. And so we've always had this absolute luxury and wonderful wonderful range of ways of of choosing how you give birth whether that is within NHS care or whether that is through obtaining and seeking an independent midwife that you want to journey your pregnancy and birth with and unfortunately the insurance situation has somewhat changed since independent midwives started practicing so it used to be the case that independent midwives could practice without indemnity and then After a lot of legislation against substandard care within maternity, within the NHS systems, the insurance providers began to take their data from the data of liability and legislation nationally and took that data from the NHS. So they started looking at how much money was going through law cases and suits against maternity services. And that is what they began to inform their insurance products on for midwifery across the board. No independent midwife in the UK has ever had a successful litigation against them. And so it's not the same data coming out of independent midwifery. And in fact, the statistics for any kind of substandard care are way lower within the self-employed midwifery. Obviously, there are also way less of us, uh, way less independent midwives practicing. But that data just pushed the availability of insurance completely through the roof. And last year, in June 2020, it became just impossible for independent midwives, self-employed midwives to obtain the indemnity insurance that is required from our regulator from the Nursing and Midwifery Council because every insurance provider that we approached was asking for premiums of around 7,000 per birth. And obviously that's on top of the cost of the service of your independent midwife. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and what that does is that rather than increasing choice, that pushes the choice into a very elite subsector of, of 
clients who would be able to afford to pay thousands yeah. for their birth. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Have you have you tried to lobby the insurance companies yet, or is that something that you you've considered doing? So one of the concerns, and it's a really good question, we have spoken to insurance providers and I continue to push in, in the direction of talking to different insurance providers and seeing if there's ever going to be somebody who has a magic wand that they can wave over what they can provide. That conversation is still very live, but IMUK, the independent midwives of the UK, have done a lot of work in approaching as many underwriters and insurance providers as they possibly can. And one of the challenges for self-employed midwives is just needing to know that they can develop their practice as private practitioners and continue with that long term. So since 2014, since it became obligatory for all practicing midwives to have this indemnity, they've been through a number of different providers. Last year in June is when the final provider we were with, an American provider at the time, and they increased their premiums and eventually led to the point where we had to withdraw from having indemnity insurance. So no independent midwife, no self-employed midwife has been able to work legally as a regulated midwife in the UK since June last year. So at a a time that we are desperate for more midwives, where we are desperate for support to the NHS in terms of midwives being available and to take up some of the slack of people requiring home birth, we've got a good few hundred independent self-employed midwives unable to work legally in the UK at the moment. We have had some really great examples of where local trusts have used their own commissioning to enable taking on self-employed midwives in bank staff capacity. But what that does is that often limits the geographical area that that self-employed midwife can work because they would be working under the insurance of a trust. So what the Childbirth Choices Matter campaign about, as well as a number of other things, our our agenda isn't only about trying to support self-employed midwives, it's about increasing choice across the whole spectrum of birth. But one of the key areas for us right now is to find a way for us to develop an insurance product that we own. So you're actually going to become the broker yourselves? We are going to work with an underwriter and create our own product, yes. Yes, that is the, the goal of the campaign at the moment. That must take an awful lot of money to do that, surely. Because presumably if someone does litigate in the unlikely circumstance, presumably it could be millions that you'd be liable for. It could. So we're not going to be in a position to launch the product until we've got three million. And then the underwriter we're working with will be able to set premiums at around 500 to 1,000 a birth rather than the 7,000, which is much more in line with what has always been the case when we've been operating with insurance. But what that will allow us to do, and and looking on the bright side, when we do reach 3 million, because we will, um, when we reach that goal and we have the product lives and self-employed midwives are back and able to work, Childbirth Choices Matter will continue as a campaign and we will continue to raise money and the premiums will all contribute to increasing that pool and eventually what we will turn that into is funding and access funding for people who require a self-employed midwife but can't afford it so we're also looking at extending the choice out of just people who are paying and providing subsidized and bursary based care for people who require that unique offer that comes from a self-employed midwife. Oh, that Kay, sounds like a great idea. It does. Kay, has this been done before in any other country? Are you the first in the UK or is this something that you've seen and you've taken the template and you're doing it yourself? Because, you know, it's a great idea. And as Linda said, it's going to take a lot of work, but you've obviously, you've considered quite a bit here. But has any other country done this, what you're doing? I may be misquoting here, but I'm pretty sure no other country has gone down the route of 
developing their own insurance product. There have been and continue to be in many, many countries issues with the way in which self-employed midwives would work. And we know that Australia have come up with relatively unique solutions to that as well. But obviously what's very unique about the UK is that we have a national health service. So that's not something that exists in other countries. Most midwifery care would be being paid for through private insurance anyway that's taken out by the woman or birthing person. But our, our free maternity service unfortunately means that those midwives that don't want to work in that trust wide outlook are having to seek indemnity insurance themselves because it's not that the client comes to them with their health insurance and claims on that for their maternity care. It's the other way around. The midwife needs to be insured. So I think what we're doing is pretty groundbreaking. To me, it feels extremely like a feminist movement. What we're doing through the the Childbirth Choices Matter campaign feels extremely empowering for us Mm. to say okay there was a problem the commercial market couldn't meet it let's take it back into our own hands and yes it's the long haul yes this is a long road and a long route yes it really is how how are you going about raising funds what's the strategy there so in the early days we had a really big crowdfunder which was successful and we had a very generous private donor so we we made a really big splash to begin with uh, when we first launched the campaign which was about six months ago at the moment that there's a continuation of people making regular direct debits we are doing grant applications and we are at the moment working on the most exciting part of the campaign so far which is we've had a singer songwriter called nikita stark who has created a single for us which is coming out in march and nikita's song is called breathe again and it is absolutely beautiful. She's written it especially for the campaign. She's also a birth worker and doula herself, a, a wonderful woman and just the most magical and incredible voice and will be being sold with the profits from it going to the campaign. So at the moment, a lot of our work is around pushing the single, it comes out on in March on Mother's Day. And that's a really tangible way, actually, that the general public can can hear the message of what we're trying to do and do something. They can download the single, which will be very much spoken about on all our social media handles and, and very publicly shared. So that's a really great way for us to say, you know, if, if you feel like you can't donate a huge amount of money, but you would like to do something for the campaign, download the single. And, and that's really exciting. Oh, that is really exciting. That sounds absolutely amazing. It does. I mean, this has obviously had a a huge impact on you and people that are working with you. And I'm sure you've made an incredible amount of friends and I would say allies in this. Mm. I'm going to be really honest about it. How has this impacted on you personally, if you don't mind asking, in the sense that the workload has increased, the whole spirit of it, the mental part to it, in the sense that you've taken on quite a lot. You're obviously quite driven by it. Quite rightly, this matters very much to you and to all women. But how has it impacted on your life? I've been involved with the Childbirth Choices Matter campaign in my capacity as the executive director of a UK charity called White Ribbon Alliance that works to address and advocate for reproductive health and rights for women and girls across the world but we are the UK branch of it and I was approached by the the campaign which already existed which was made up of some of the independent midwives that had come out of work and for me it it felt like it felt like a solutions driven campaign and I really like a solutions driven (laughs) campaign I like something that is saying you know here is a problem and it is a huge problem and it is reducing choice and that is a that is meaning that many many people are suffering not least the self-employed midwives but we have a solution 
and and to me in terms of social change that is such a wonderful campaign to work on really for me it's just been a complete honor to be involved in the campaign and you're you're completely correct i have met some incredible people the whole campaign team for childbirth choices matter is a phenomenal group of people who give their time voluntarily to really pushing this agenda and this message but from a from a white ribbon alliance perspective we are always looking at how do we ensure that there is choice and respect and dignity and, and care for people that is personalized and focused on on their individual needs and so the childbirth choices matter campaign was just it was a bit of a no-brainer for me from a is it sort of campaign that fits in into our agenda as a charity so I, I guess for me personally, yes, it's been a wonderful opportunity to meet fantastic people. It is frustrating. It is so frustrating in, in many ways as a campaign because almost it's a kind of double-edged sword to what I've just said because so much of the work and the energy that we have to put in would just be resolved if we could find the right donor. You know, mm-hmm. if it, it's rare that a social change agenda can be overcome just with money. And actually, this is one of those circumstances where it, it really could be changed just by money. So I spend a lot of time looking at funding, looking at ways that we can increase the attention to the campaign. And that can be frustrating because you kind of feel like you just need those few key people to really hear the message of what it is and, and hear how important it is and and they just need to be a few key people or or companies or organizations or sponsors who have got a big enough purse to (laughs) expand the purse strings at that time but I feel like independent self-employed midwifery is a key part of informed choice for women and birthing people I feel like if we are forced into our care providers that kind of doesn't really resonate with with the idea of having choice and respect whereas if we can look at our birth and say actually I want to do it this way this is who I want with me this is the environment this is the specialist this is the kind of care that I want then we can begin to make really informed choice and at the moment that's not there. What are you asking people to do if you were to ask them to do anything would you like them to contribute would you like them to to contact you in that way? Yep I would absolutely love for people to donate to the campaign. If you go to our website, there's a link to our Givey page, which is an easy online way of giving. Equally, if anyone sat there going, gosh, I know exactly the right person who's got a good few hundred thousand pounds kicking around, that would be fabulous. Always welcome to to hear from you. I also think uh, downloading the single is a really cheap and and fantastic way to spread the message as well. Nikita's song is is wonderful and it's a tribute to, to what the campaign is doing. But what we also need is for people to know. We need noise because the more noise we're making, the more people will be giving and the less expensive it is for each individual giver. Sharing us on social media, following us on, on Instagram and tagging in other people who you think might be interested is, is all really important right now. As with any kind of advocacy, the more noise there is around it, the more people know, the more the issue comes to the place of being solved. Yeah. Well, this has been really, really interesting. I've really enjoyed chatting to you today. Me too. Kay. Me too. So, thank you so much. You've asked some really incredible questions. It's been wonderful to be here with you. Well, it's mm, been it's, it's been great having you. Thank you very much indeed, Kay King. I'm talking about childbirth choices matter. didn't realise all of this was going on with midwives because I did think there was a choice, but I'd never looked into it. I just thought there were two options and one is that you went NHS and probably were encouraged to go into a hospital because they they very much encourage that. 
or that you went private and going private, of course, is probably still in a hospital, but incredibly expensive. I remember when I was doing it, a friend of mine went private and it was over £10,000. That was 20 <gasps> years ago. Wow. I remember thinking the same, but not wanting to do it because actually the NHS were offering midwives to come and help me. They're not just kind of shouting about it and going, this isn't fair. They're actually doing something about it. You know, they're trying yes. to set up themselves as the insurer, which yes. is not what I expected. That was, mm. you know, very unexpected. I think that's really interesting and really good. It is very commendable indeed. And let's wish them all the best for that. Indeed. Women Making Waves on Cambridge 105 Radio.